vegetable juice? Oh, yeah, I'm sure you have had vegetable juice. You've ever had? Do you, do you would you drink vegetable juice if it was in the fridge? Uh, probably not. I don't think well, I'd I, reach for it. I well, I I I started ta- taking it pretty much. I took it as like form of medicine. I have some in my fridge just to you know get a bit more veggies inside me. Um as opposed to the usual way I put them inside me. Um, but I've actually started really, oh, no, no, I look forward to my uh, my glass of vegetable juice. It's like a, I guess it's like a, you can think of it either as a savory juice or a cold soup. Savory juice sounds better. Uh, have you have hmm. you gotten to the point of making your own, or are we still kind nah, of commercial? I can't be fucked with that. It's sort of yeah. It's the the intention was to get vegetables inside me as quick as possible, which as you know I'm quite an expert on. Um, so by blending them up would uh would would sort of increase the process and defeat the purpose. But the thing is, we're not here to talk about about vegetable juice. We oh, aren't. Uh, you'll have to remind me after we complete our primary purpose of meeting uh, to send you a link because uh, I think there's something that you'll enjoy now that I know that you are a a vegetable juicer. But our primary uh, reason for meeting here is not vegetables in their delineated juicy form. It is, in fact, books in their uh, hardback and or paper cover forms. And that is because... We are the Good Book Boys, and this is Good Book Boy Alpha, Alex, and Good to Book you. Boy Beta, Josh, also speaking to you, and uh, and also to Alex at the same time. It's quite a feat we we manage here. Yeah, I think we're the first to to manage that. And we're talking about the plot against America by Philip Roth, published two thousand and four. And importantly, uh, on the front cover, at least of mine, it, uh, it, it, it makes sure to let everyone know that this is a novel. Really? What does it say on yours? It goes, the plot against, in big letters, and then in between against and America, there's a novel. Just, just I, in case hmm. someone picks well, this up for yes. their, uh, their American political history, history class, uh, yeah. 103. <laughs> Well, it could it could be also. I think the author Philip Roth is is best known for nonfiction. I think he's more of an essayist. I don't know. The only research I've done in him is in connection to to this book, so I'm not an expert. But that that may be to to let them know that Roth has ventured into a uh, fiction, although a very a very interesting type of fiction. Absolutely. So this was your choice for uh, our episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was an op shop find. Um, I was on the shelf. I thought, hey, let's do it. Which is which is how quite a few of mine uh, come to be. I've got it on the shelf, and I think why not read it with Josh? Um, but I'm a big fan of the genre of alternate history. Um, big fan of that. Bit of a bit of a history. Well, not a buff. Not a history nerd. I just enjoy learning about history. So, and especially 20th century history. And um, the the concept of a uh, a World War Two that uh, transpires differently is obviously a very very popular topic, and that is the topic of of Philip Roth's uh, book here, The Plot Against America. Um, would you like to read your blurb for us? I Josh? will. In an astonishing feat of narrative invention, our most ambitious novelist imagines an alternate version of American history. In 1940, Charles A. Lindbergh, heroic aviator and rabid isolationist, is elected president. Shortly thereafter, he negotiates a cordial understanding with Adolf Hitler, while the new government embarks on a program of folksy anti-Semitism. For one boy growing up in Newark, Lindbergh's election is the first in a series of ruptures that threatens to destroy his small, safe corner of America, and with it, his mother, his father, and his older brother. Very well said. Um, I think there are two kinds of alternate history. One is sort of, I guess you could call it the macro level stuff, the big picture stuff, which focuses on those historical events and sort of explain to you how they'd go differently. And then there's this kind, which is, I guess, character based, um, because so much of this novel is is not just about what's happening in the world. It's how the, the main character um sees them 
um, how I guess this fictionalized version, I think, of the of the author sees it. it, it it's it's a character study as much as it is uh, uh, imaginative interpretation of how things might have gone differently in World War Two. Yeah, definitely. Instead of instead of just a direct commentary on how things could have been different, I think uh, the way Philip Roth has done this, and I guess the, the way that the second category of the two that you outlined do it, mm. is that they create that as the backdrop and um, as the world around um, uh, the characters in which they then plonk into the middle of that. And we kind of see on a more granular detail day by day basis uh how uh, those characters which um which can either be proxies for the reader or a insight into a certain uh type of person and or family and how they kind of react and deal with those kind of alternate facts of history um which yeah is is a super interesting way i think of doing it rather than just a direct here's an idea of how things could have been different yeah, and that will turn off, I guess, some of the the history bros out there, of which I, you know, I do not discount. Um, do not discount that as an interest, and in just sort of wanting sort of a a play by play, a year by year, cause and effect. This happens, so this happens, and this happens. Um, but yeah, it is, it is essentially about, um, you know, this this young boy growing up. Um, growing up full stop you know um it's all about you know not everything he experiences is directly related to the the alternate events of history um it is you know a lot of it is just a uh coming of age story um yeah i think it was an interesting one of the first things i'll say to launch us off um mm. just to talking about this novel it was an interesting uh decision to make the main character a young child um mm -hmm. kind of how old do we reckon he was? Uh, Pre-teeny um, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm sure it is mentioned, but I would say oh, this may be completely wrong. I'm thinking about like ten. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was there somewhere between ten and thirteen. Yeah, it was interesting that 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 was kind of the main character and what that what I felt that that did as whether it's a literary device or not, um, is that it allowed the uh, historical aspect of this novel um, to kind of play out um, kind of more mysteriously and more in the background than what you may have otherwise had to had to contend with if it was a more kind of uh, uh, upstanding citizen kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And you know, yeah, he gets these, which which is is part of the drama. He gets an understanding of what's going on about the world around him from the different people in his life, and those different people have different interpretations of what's going on. And you know, there is a, a big emotional crux about you know who's you know not who's telling the truth, but whose interpretation of is going to prove right. You know, should we be worried about what's happening? Is this good for my family? Is this bad for my family? Yeah. So um, we. So we we read the the blurb before, but did you want to kind of give a, a high level uh, summary of how this is an alternate history and what uh, what sort of Philip Roth was was doing in focusing on this particular uh, time period and and what he was doing with yeah. changing the facts? Yeah, absolutely. So you know the 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 procedure for any kind of alternate history is picking one event and changing it and then following the repercussions. So for this one, it is that uh, Charles A. Lindbergh, who the the world-famous American aviator, who was a, you know, a big folk hero and a, something of a celebrity in the 1930s, um, is nominated as the Republican candidate for president in uh, the 1940 election, running against uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Now, in... I could, would not be able to tell you who wins, who won. Sorry, I would not be able to tell you who had the Republican nomination in our 1940. But Franklin, in our world, Franklin Delano Roosevelt um, won, and he was long-serving president from 1933 until his death in 1945, by which time the United States had entered the war um, against Japan and Germany. So having Lindbergh come in as the Republican challenger to um, Roosevelt and then having 
Lindbergh win in a landslide. And sort of the way in which the Lindbergh government implements, as you said in your blurb, some policies of what could generously be described as um, isolationism, um, you know, isolating America from the uh, war in Europe, as opposed to FDR, who was very, very, uh, I wouldn't say pro-war, but he was, he was well known that he was a, a sympathised with the, the the British and the um, and the again against the Nazis, which of course after Pearl Harbor, um, he joined the war against Nazi Germany as well. So. Um, what I'm essentially saying is Lindbergh wins the presidency in 1940 in a landslide and implements these isolationist policies internationally and implements some, what I think was described in your blurb as folksy anti-Semitism yeah. um, in, uh, domestically as well. And the Roth is a Jewish author, so this fictionalized version of him as a young man is obviously also Jewish, uh, growing up with a Jewish family in a Jewish community, and sort of we see the effects of those um those policies slowly, slowly encroach in the lives of, of the Roth family. Yeah. And so correct me, correct me if, if you feel like this is a wrong way of seeing it, but the way that I've looked at this book while I was reading it and afterwards is that it was, it's kind of a look at what could have uh, been the case in America had, mm -hmm. uh, had there been a, a fascist sympathizer Mm -hmm. um, becoming a uh, president and the kinds of, uh, ways that the anti-Semitism, uh, that had become prevalent in Germany could have made their way into a uh, quote unquote Western country. Um, mm. and what those effects would have looked like from the perspective of a, you know, run of the mill Jewish family in a country like America. Um, I would I would say that I would say that's accurate. I think it's an definitely an interesting choice to have Lindbergh as as the president. But I think it, considering what Roth was trying, what the America he was trying to present, I think that's a that's a very interesting one. Um, we'll sort of we we can touch on um, real life parallels later on. But there's there's it's not unsurprising that a, a well known celebrity would be able to. Um, run for president <laughs> and actually win the presidency. And I guess it wasn't, for me, it wasn't this sort of importation of German anti-Semitism. I think, I think I, I, I see it more of giving permission for these feelings that already exist to sort of come to the surface. Mm. Um, and and the way that's that's those those sentiments are enacted in policy. But yes, I think your your assertion is uh, is correct. Yeah. Um, how did you find reading this novel uh, as a as a book? Uh, how did you find Philip Roth's um, approach to style and and writing? Um, very good. I, I found as an author, you know, um, I think he's very very good. Um, mm. I, I really enjoyed the way he embodied this character and you know a lot of this is almost semi-autobiographical you can tell how much of this um is based on his real life obviously you know the events his father's talking about is is not real but you know you you get a sense for the for the family he has for the community he has and uh, like any good author he's able to put you in the mind of his protagonist uh, quite easily and i think that's um you know, that's that's really interesting to see, especially when you have a, a young and naive character who, you know, in a coming of age story trying to work out how to navigate the world. Um, he he explores that very, very well, I think. What did you think of his style? Yeah, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I think um, one of the challenges for people coming into this book is that it is very uh, American politics detail heavy. Um, there's a lot of, uh, lingo and concepts that if you aren't already, uh, kind of on the fringes or semi familiar with the world, uh, yeah. of American politics, um, it may be challenging to push through, uh, the book. Um, that was something cause I'm definitely not well versed in, American politics, like mm -hmm. to, to the degree of knowing 
what all the kind of lingo terms exactly mean and, mm-hmm. and how that sort of the party allegiances and you know how that that's changes yes yeah so i think there's a whole layer to this book that uh would really benefit whilst i don't think you necessarily need to have a firm grasp of it i think you're only going to enjoy it more for having that understanding um so that was just one thing that's not necessarily Mm. a comment on his style or his writing it's just more Mm. about the type of novel that he's written here um does sort of yeah have that layer of you need to well you don't need to but it's it's very beneficial to to understand the bit more than just surface level um knowledge of the kind of subject matter that he's delving into um but aside that aside uh he is like he's not a uh well-known author for for no reason he's Mm, he's mm. a very capable writer um and you don't you can you just get to the story you don't have to um you don't have to wrestle too much with uh, with his approach i don't think there are some authors where you have to kind of calibrate yourself to their approach to writing um and then once you've calibrated you can kind of sink into the story like uh people like uh, uh david foster wallace come to mind mm. where you have to really get in step with their style whereas philip roth i don't think is like that the main the main thing for this book particularly will be just the um the details of american politics i think yeah i think that's a fair assumption and you know uh there i don't think you have you'd be expected i don't think the average reader would be expected to to know um quite a lot of these figures because i my my version i don't know if yours does um includes you know a postscript with um um it's got here a uh, true chronology of the major figures other historical figures in the work so the the real life figures who are you know are mentioned in the book you do get sort of a a brief biography of them mm. um but yeah for me that was i didn't mind that i i i didn't know 85% of the of the historical figures mentioned in this uh but i didn't mind sort of wikipediaing them as i went and going oh so that's that's what he thought and you know sort of working out okay so that's what you think he'd do in Mm. this in this alternate history but that's just me some other people may have found that very distracting um and some more of them would have just just flicked through it and not and not given it any mind um so i yeah i don't think it's it's not hard history in any sense not history at all it's alternate history but um it's not it's i don't think he expects you to no, most of these major historical figures. Um, and as you said, the the crux of it is is the emotional journey of our of our protagonist rather than the alternate history itself. Yeah. Um so the main I guess the main two kind of things that drive this book outside hmm. of outside of it being a book about a Jewish family. Mm-hmm. Um which you know could be in any other novel about you know on the backdrop of any other uh, sort of events or or places in time um, mm-hmm. is is the election of of Charles A Lindbergh and mm-hmm. his uh, links uh, that we kind of get drawn out across the book to Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you find those two? kind of uh, uh driving forces in the book um how did you find them as things for creating an alternate history i thought it was very very well done um you know it gives you biographical information about charles Lindbergh. he was most certainly an isolationist he didn't want you know the united states to enter a war in europe and he had spoken favorably of uh Hitler's government, and I believe uh, he had had made some comments about, uh, you know, uh, Jews and the quote unquote Jewish race race in America. Mm. So the sympathies were definitely there. I thought it was it was very realistic to sort of see the way they're implemented and to not have Lindbergh or you know some 
completely original character as this Hitler analog, you know, to yes, just have no, that an American Hitler who, you know, who rants and raves the same way that, that Hitler does and just sort of saying, oh, what if Hitler was, you know, American? I, I like that they did sort of, they, they toned it down in that respect. It wasn't completely unbelievable. Um, and certainly the, the policies of, um, that he tries to implement, such as this uh, homestead, 42 hmm. i think the act is called which is about uh sort of relocating jewish families to um to american families to sort of integrate um american jews more into like yeah and to break the up government. the communities so. yes yes i thought that was you know in this situation that's very very uh foreseeable rather than just having Hey, I'm elected now. There, guess what? There's going to be, you know, concentration camps in every major U.S. city, um, mm. you know, which is you're very, you know, very dramatic and very big and very bombastic. Um, but I don't think that's how it would work in America. You know, I, I, I liked the idea of a, if not fascist, fascist sympathetic government in the United States and how it it has, I would guess, what you call distinctly. American qualities and the way in which Lindbergh is this, you know, and as he was in real life, a, a quintessentially American hero. Um, they didn't try and make him the epitome of evil in this. Um, and I thought that was, that was very, very effective. Yeah. No, what do you think? I, I agree. I think it was a very accurate depiction of how uh, these, these sorts of ideologies could infiltrate um the West and mm. Western countries. Um, I think it was very, yeah, an accurate depiction of how that would happen and how it would happen kind of subversively. Um, and I mean, that's not to say that that's not how it's, how it happened or started anywhere mm. in Europe. But, um, yeah, I think that too, that was a, that was the right direction in writing this, in writing this novel. I think that worked really well. And the constant, kind of seeds of doubt that get sown left, right and center for mm -hmm. the main character and his family, mm. um, where you have, you know, various people in positions of what should be higher understanding and power kind of mm. saying, supporting, you know, some of these, uh, things that were being implemented and making it hard to out and out say that what was going on, was what was going on, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and... I think that was a really accurate, yeah, you really got the feeling that um, there's a lot at stake, uh, but it's not abundantly clear which side is the right side necessarily. Yeah, I, th I think that's a good way to phrase it. It never, it never splits 100% down there's good and there's evil. Mm. Um, and, you know, a lot of the times the, the figures in uh, the character's life who are supportive of these measures. They talk a lot of sense. They're not these, again, they're not these caricature American Gestapo agents. Uh, they, yeah. they, you know, uh, they, they, there's, there's a logical sense to what they say. And, you know, I think the highlight, yeah, the crux of the emotional conflict is sort of the protagonist being torn between his father, who has these very, very strong ideas that, you know, uh, Lindbergh is a Nazi, you know, he's, he's, gonna he's friendly up with hitler and his older brother who sort of embraces the opportunities mm. afforded to him by some of these policies and sort of begins to i guess resent his family for for being so fearful and suspicious and for for not um not embracing what he sees as a very positive change and it's it's you know it's great that neither one of those are considered the, the the definitively definitively right way that the reader is meant to identify. You know the the, the character's father. Um, he you know he is very belligerent. You know he's not this sage old old wise man that you can that we or the character could you know uh, instantly believe. You know he is very belligerent. Yeah, there are he some is, flaws there that make you you know have to actually think about whether think you maybe, want to support maybe him. Maybe maybe he is not that maybe he actually doesn't know what's going on. I think that's mm. you know that's that's very relatable to 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 grow up and realize that you know whether it's your your parents or your older brother or your religious leaders you know the the, the your betters your um 
you know, elders in your life don't always know what they're talking about. They're not always right. Mm. And, you know, he, we get to see that through the character. I think that's, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I think getting back to uh, what I was saying earlier about having a young child as the main character, I think that assists you there in the sense that uh, Philip Roth didn't need to necessarily um, pick a side with the main character because he was young. Mm. You can't, he's trying to work out what's going on. Um, and so through that, you know, you can have that lens of listening to all sides and with a, you know, sort of unbiased ear, just trying to work out what's going on. And that really helps move the story. I think without having to pin the reader's eyes to a particular point of view. Yeah. Were there any, um, characters in particular or relationships that you found particularly engaging? Um, I thought, uh, you know, we were speaking about the father. I thought I, I thought I liked the dynamics between the father, the mother, and the main character, um, mm-hmm. and how, yeah, those opportunities that that went to the older brother sort of started to crack the family up a bit. Mm. Um, I f- the uh, the main character has an aunt who's mm-hmm. quite interesting and plays. Um, kind of an interesting role in the novel. Uh, mm. There's a, uh, is it a cousin that um, goes to fight? Yeah, the the, Nazis the, goes to fight the Nazis against, um, you know, kind of against the wishes of America. I guess um, mm. travels to Canada to do it, uh, loses his leg, and then comes back. There's quite an interesting set of character development there, or character backslide depending on how you want to look at it yeah and again it would be easy sorry to cut you off there it would be easy to present that character as hey this guy is doing what he believes is right and he fights you know he fights the nazis what a what a brave hero and you know just present that as you know this this really positive sacrifice he makes but if we follow that character's that character's uh evolution and and the what he goes through you know it doesn't it, it it's it's never that simple it, it's 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 not that simple in real life. You know, again, nothing is, uh, despite a bombastic plot such as the plot against America, it is really uh, subtle and it does ask a lot of a lot of um, you know really really powerful questions and it does it does keep the character and the reader sort of flicking back and forth between, as I said, between what the, what they think is is the right thing to do. Yeah, and I mean, we keep getting back to the the whole character thing, and I think this is one of the first or only books in our list uh, that we've read so far, with the exception mm. of maybe one or two, that kind of pushes into the true out-and-out literary genre as opposed to uh, more easygoing pop fiction. And you can see that by the attention to detail with character. I think we find in a lot of books that we've read, or at least I have, mm-hmm. um, that you'll have maybe a fairly rounded uh, main character, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of flat kind of assistant characters throughout. Yeah, throughout the Falconer novel. comes to mind. Yeah, the Falconer, um, less um, to a certain extent. Impossible and Fortress. We had impossible a, Fortress. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. Whereas, whereas this, I mean, Philip Roth is a is an award winning author, um, mm. but yeah, his his ability to to capture um, complicated people um, wherever there are people in his book um, mm. is is not something to to whisk over. Like it's a very um, there's a lot of character in here. There's a lot of interesting things to to chew on um in terms of the people in the book um and i think we've kind of been reflecting that in our conversation so far yeah and i don't and despite that i don't think it's particularly difficult or um, takes too much out of you to read i think you know mark of a good author in my opinion is to be able to reflect this complexity uh quite simply um and i think our um I think uh, Maggie O'Farrell, the uh, previous author, um, did that quite well as yes. well. You know, yes. it's no, quite uh, quite uh, deep emotions being conveyed, uh, but not in a way that, you know, really is a slog to read or is difficult or you need a, you know, a, a master's degree in English literature to understand. So, yeah, I, I would say that's the, the, the mark of a good author. Was there anything you 
rubbed you the wrong way about this. Yeah, I was going to say um, before we get into because we've been we've been uh, saying quite a few good things. Um, mm. Is there any? Did you want to uh, respond to your own question? Was there any characters that or, or relationships that you quite enjoyed? I think you. I think you look again with a novel like this. It's it's all of them. All those yep. all those yeah. relationships are unique. There's and something seem, there in all of them. Yeah. Yeah, and they seem grounded and they seem engaging. You know, no one's. As in real life, you have you have a unique relationship with everybody you know. No one's just there as a stock character. Yeah. But certainly that that dynamic between his, himself, his the, the core family, his brother and his mother and father. I thought, um, you know, I, I you you really get a sense of the, these these characters' priorities. Um, we also get um, sort of a, a unique relationship with. Um, his next door neighbor whose name mm. is Sheldon something I can't remember um whose name is yeah I can't remember the last name either um Se oh, Seldon Winslow uh who is wins now wish sell let's start the sentence again there is a unique relationship with his uh neighbor um Seldon and um you know, there's a lot. There's there's some there's some hard moments in there. Um, yeah, and not in a graphic way. Not in like a, a violent, you know, excruciating. You know, you see you, you, descriptions of anything unpleasant. But there's 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 as there would be in this situation, just a lot of individual tragedies that um mm. that I thought were conveyed very effectively. But in answer to your to question, I think the relationships between the main character are all, all explored very, very well, even if they're they're not um at the core of the story. Yep. So getting to your question before, the the drawbacks for me are um one medium sized one and one tiny nitpick. Mm -hmm. And that is um I felt like Roth pulled a punch here. Mm -hmm. I felt like uh, actually, okay. There's there's that, and then there's another one, and then there's a nitpick. So I felt like he 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 pulled a punch in the sense that, and um, I don't want to necessarily spoil the book, but um, it does. Are you talking about the way? Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Are you talking about the way? the ship writes itself as it were yes yeah 100 percent. Yes. so i i i yeah it, I, it's um it was an interesting choice for mm. the novel to occur and mm. then in the last couple of chapters for things to as you say kind of it it's almost like um it's not even a full alternate history, if you know what I mean. It's like a... It's an alternate it's like five a, years. Yeah, an alternate five years where they, there's like a detour, but this the, the start and the end are still kind of the same. Um, so I, that's something that I kind of have struggled with. Uh, I felt that... Um, and, and maybe that's because I, I was coming into it knowing it was an alternate history and kind of... Mm really looking at it from that perspective, I think perhaps his uh, brief was to tackle some of the issues that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and this was a way that he found to do it. Um, and, you know, from that perspective, it's fine. But it did just feel like we had all this, all these things, all these historical things going on, all this build up um, mm. to then have it sort of you know, quote unquote, return to normal. So that was, that was one thing that, um, that I felt was potentially a missed opportunity, mm -hmm. um, just from the historical, uh, aspect. Um, the second thing was the, 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 the kind of conspiracy side of things that mm. start to really come out at the same time, um, as things that, you know, towards the end of the book. And I, it just was a bit that that whole aspect felt kind of devoid from anything that might happen in real life. It felt very fantastical and very uh, like specifically situational um, and a bit strange mm -hmm. to me. Um, so that's number two. And then the, the tiny nitpick was that, I, you know, uh, Barack Obama couldn't drive his own car. Mm -hmm. Why, 
why would in any history a president be able to fly by himself <laughs> around the country? Um, that was one thing that just took me out of it. Every time he was just flying around by himself. And, you know, consequences. And and, yeah. <laughs> and, and we see why he's not Barack Obama's not allowed to drive around by himself. Yeah, so that that's my little nitpick. Those are my three things that kind of, to me, took me out of it a bit in reading. So immediately the, the Lyndon... Uh, Lindenberg flying his his plane it didn't bother me. That first one you mentioned, the way in which things essentially returned to normal, really bothered me. Really yeah. bothered. Me. Yeah. Okay. Because good. The, I'm not alone. The, yeah. Um, yeah. The 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 appeal to me about these stories is there's a logical cause and effect this happens so this happens so this happens so this happens and you sort of you know you drop the pebble in the pond and you see the ripples you know spread out to then have everything you know revert to the status quo of our own history is not just you know too convenient and you know um to sound feels too much like a happy ending that that's that's statistically impossible that like all these things would be different and then yet we in a matter of years in a matter of a you know a handful of years, wind back at the same point is, you know, impossible. You know, and and I think I think the appeal for these stories for me is showing what could have been possible, and so that that really took me out of it. I may be misinterpreting it. You know, maybe you know a a a you know a Jewish author like Roth, maybe to ask him to explore 50 years of American anti-Semitism and American fascism is, you know, a task he, you know, <laughs> didn't feel personally up to. And, you know, if that's the case, I can't, you know, I'm certainly not going to fault him for wanting a a happy ending or a sense of stability for this, this young version of himself. But for me, I found that um, far too, yeah, far too convenient, really at odds with what I thought was a very uh, logically laid out story and um, a very engaging history. In yeah, regards to that, cons- sorry, you. Continue. I was just going to say, and definitely because of the way that it's delivered, it it didn't need. It feels like it happens in the last like couple of sentences of the book that it's kind of just like, eh, and then we went mm. back to war. Uh, and and all was the same. I, I just feel like if he just stopped a chapter earlier, you know. Anyway. Yes. Yes. Um, regarding that conspiracy part, uh, as you said, there's sort of an explanation provided for sort of everything that happens. It's like, you know, um, how did all this stuff happen? Well, actually, there was a plot against America all along. It wasn't just, you know, someone becomes president and these things slowly change. There was actually this sinister plot. And that's offered as an explanation. But I didn't see that, Josh. It's presented in the novel as, or at least to me, the reader can take that or leave that. It's never given a definitive sort of confirmation that's what happens. Like, this is a story that was floating around by, you know people who were close to the source but like i saw that as okay if you want you know everything in your story to be about a secret sinister plot um that you know it's been planned all along there's your explanation but i i didn't see that as roth saying this is uh definitely what happened because you're right it it is that that as well if i were to accept that as as part of the story that i feel like would um completely yeah, d- derail this this whole idea, but and it does it, it it does sort of you know it's at odds with I guess the, perhaps one of the morals of the story that you know bad ideas don't just happen because one guy decides to be evil and then everything changes, you know, or that you know evil is the result of of meticulous plots and plotting. That is more likely just, you know, the the apparatus of government and society uh, get, you know, shifted slightly and ideas are allowed to, you know, circulate, ideas become normalised. It's a much more, I guess, mundane process, mm. um, which I think is undermined by this idea that, okay, so here's our, here's our conspiracy theory board. Here's why everything bad that happened actually happened. So for that reason, I chose not to see that as as canonical in the story. I saw that as, as Roth saying, if you want that, 
that's what it is. But I, I didn't see it as as part of the story. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely is delivered with, uh, with a little bit of a maybe, maybe not caveat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did still feel like it was just a strange, um, strange section. <laughs> um, you know, we we look. Donald Trump, <laughs> you, you, you can't get you can't get away with reading his books anymore, and seeing what is still going on in the United States and many other yeah. um, Western nations without making that comparison. You know, I'm not trying to get political on the podcast or anything, but uh, I think I think we're uh, we're we're through the look, looking glass in regards to that. And actually, looking at the Wikipedia page, um, uh, Roth was interviewed in the New York about similarities between his novel and the election of Trump. Roth responded, it is easier to comprehend the election of an imaginary president like Charles Lindbergh than the actual president like Donald Trump. Lindbergh, despite his Nazi sympathies and racist proclivities, was a great aviation hero. Trump is just a con artist. And my feeling is, yeah, like, like Lindbergh was way like th- th- this couldn't happen now because Lindbergh's way too subtle. Like yeah. you know he 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 he's deliberately and tacitly stops making comments about the Jews in public after he gets elected. Like he, <laughs> Trump just doubled down. Like he he was completely obvious. He was you know everything um, Lindbergh wasn't. He was the 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 anti Lindbergh in that regard. Um, you know, these policies would not be subtly implemented. They would be, um, you know, the throttle would be pushed up to 11 and all these things would be widely uh, celebrated by by uh, by people in that government. You know, there'd be no no subtlety about this at all. And that's what um, that's the, and another thing I found grating or not great, not grating in terms of offensive, but in contrast to today, this idea that um, people from political parties in the United States will change their policies or their allegiances based on their values. The idea that someone would, you know, ally themselves with the other party because it's what they believe could mm. never happen today. So in uh, in summary, Alex, what, what are you going to give this on the Goodreads? Look, he's a fantastic author. He's a fantastic writer, Philip Roth. As we said, to convey what he conveyed and have a big idiot like me understand it is is no mean feat. And it would have been four, but that ending, I just, I cannot understand it. And it really does take away from what I wanted from the novel, what I expected from the novel. So I'm going to have to push it down to a three out of five, uh, just losing a point for that ending. But um, if you don't care that much about, I guess, the genre, I would, st- and you like just, you know, explorations of characters in complex political times, please, uh, by all means, I would recommend you read it. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I'm going I'm to give it a big fat three as well. I think that it is a a well put together book. Um I agree that if you're if you're into this kind of time period and you know the American politic of its day, um, then you will get a kick out of this. Um, I also think that it is an interesting uh, kind of look into what a Jewish family might have had to face, and it's also kind of a you know it's a it's a story and a voice that maybe gets um, a little more coverage uh, in our contemporary times, but, you know, early 2000s and prior, I think, was few and far between. So from mm. that perspective as well, I think it's worth a read. So I'm going to give it a, a three as well. Fantastic. What else is on your bookshelf or bedside table right now, Josh? Um, I am reading um, David Copperfield. Um, oh, yes. By Mr. Dickens, um, which is uh a large book Mm. (laughs) Um, so yeah i am i'm just in the first uh 200 pages so far so um enjoying that um you read any dickens prior i haven't i've been meaning Mm. to um he is a a big gaping hole in my 
uh, literary back catalog. I thought you'd enjoy that phrasing. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's just a simple <laughs> expression. Anyway, continue. Um, so I am trying to uh, catch up uh, in that respect. And that's mm-hmm. been, I think that's been taking up the most of my time recently. I don't think I've, aside from Plot Against America, I don't think I've been reading much else. Um, how about you? Um, what have I been reading? A good question, Josh. Um, I so actually today I started um, another alternate history about World War Two. It was not in response to this. It just so turned out, you know, I've got a few of them on my shelf, and this is one um, I've been wanting to read for a while. And this is very much that macro level. Um, this is very much sort of the history history. There's there's no sort of dialogue or characters. It's just sort of explaining what happens. Um, you know, not day by day, but it gives an explanation of what happens so, rather than focusing so not, on the character. Not, not an alternate history where Charles A. Lindbergh um, has to give in his wings and gets chauffeured around the country instead and has a long and successful... Uh... Fascist dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not that one. This is this is based on... Though it is... It is... Actually, there you go. It is um, aviation... Based, it's you know the idea that uh, 1941 uh, Hitler is in, pra- is in a plane crash and is in a coma, um, which gives the generals on the Eastern Front uh, more f- uh, military freedom to pursue their goals in Russia, which leads to a turning point in the war, and that's about where I'm up to. Um, so yeah, again, this uh, this very small idea, you know, the idea that you know uh, a, a wing. Well, you know, someone doesn't land properly. Someone doesn't have their copy in the morning, so there's a plane crash, and you know what what could become of that. So I like that idea of just have this small idea and how it can change things. Mm. Um, the the DC Comics did one like that of their own history. Um, I think it was called the Nail, where um, the the car that uh, Superman's parents are driving. Uh, hits a nail on the way so they don't actually pick him up in the field but they so they never raise um superman so that's that that nail therefore you know changes everything about the history of the 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 dc universe so yeah it's a yeah, so uh, maybe we'll, we'll review that one next time anyway so that's what i'm looking at now i'm also rereading uh alan moore who pre who, whose work watchman we previously reviewed on this his the only uh, other alternate history we've covered that, an, another look there you go another old history I, like i'm obviously yeah quite quite interested um league of extraordinary gentlemen volume four i love the whole series um of uh literary mashup and just sort of what he does with it obviously if you've heard me uh on that watchman episode you know i'm a massive fan of him and i was just on the train home from work today i was like i was excited to read that 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 um that graphic novel. So I think that's the sign. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm reading. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, just living, living life. Um, do you want to, uh, do you want to know what we'll be reading for the podcast next? I, uh, yes, I think I would like to know that. Yes, please. (laughs) That that way I can uh, purchase it and read it. (laughs) Next time we'll (laughs) be reading Kazuo Ishiguru's Never Let Me Go. Oh, well, I don't need to purchase it because I have read it and it's on my shelf. There you go. And I, it's probably not one I would reread only because there are so many books that I haven't read. So, having said, I just said I'll reread *Legion of Strangers* Volume Four, but disregard that. So I'm very excited to revisit this. Um, what made you think of this one? Uh, similar to you, I uh, I've been meaning to well, I. It's a uh, op shop pickup. That's that's mm. what I mean by similar to you. But um, the reason why it caught my eye is that I um, have me- been meaning to read a, a, an Ishiguro because um, he is quite a popular popular contemporary writer. I mean, he came mm. out with a with a novel last year, Clara in the Sun, um, which has gotten quite a few rave reviews um and he's written quite a few other novels as well um and i just saw this one and thought oh that'll do i'll dip my toes into his books with this fantastic i look forward to that but when you're not reading books you're listening to music aren't you josh and that is my 
roundabout way of asking, where can we find you? <laughs> I am Alex. I, I I listen to a lot of jazz and improvised music, and I am quickly becoming the place to go and come to for uh, Australian recommendations and music chats with musicians uh, in Melbourne and across the country. I host uh, or co-host a, a jazz show at uh, RPPFM called Mostly Jazz. I have an Instagram, uh, Hot Cup of Jazz, uh, and uh, that links to a website as well. Doing lots of jazz and improvised music-based uh, content, and um, if that is something that might be your bag, come and check me out at those places. Even if you're not, just give him a follow. It doesn't hurt anybody. He posts some books there sometimes and some coffee. There's something for everybody, providing exactly. you like jazz books or coffee. What are you? Uh, where can we find you? What's uh, What's at the top of the pile um, for the times to come when it comes to Alex? Well, when it comes to Alex, uh, you should look at Lateratia underscore L A double T E R A T U R E underscore. Uh, that's where you can find my main. Uh, presence online my online social brand i'm working on incorporating myself entirely into my online brand so we will soon not know where alex begins and literature ends um sort of a omnipresent uh sentient brand if you will um quite an interesting concept if you ask me i should probably write that down it sounds like a potential uh bestseller yes look for me there and then if you are, want to uh, delve into my interests, you can follow Tintin.podcast on Instagram for my reviews of Tintin books and lots of Tintin content. And ditto with Goosebumps.podcast. Same thing with Goosebumps. Um, although not to say there's many similarities between Tintin books and Goosebumps books, but um, that's what I mean. Something for everybody, providing you like Tintin or Goosebumps. Um, but yes, uh, literature underscore L-A-T-T-E-R-A-T-U-R-E underscore um follow me and um and uh, let me know um what's your favorite thing about me is that a question to me or to no the, no, uh, no, to I, no I've, I've asked you i asked you before we recorded so i know that but that's uh <laughs> yeah the people can get in touch with that lovely all right well that's uh that's been the good book boys we covered the plot against america a novel by philip roth released in the early 2000s alternate history of uh, World War Two, very interesting. We both gave it a three um, out of five, so definitely worth your time. Um, what do we always say around here, Alex? As we're signing off, if it's not a good book, don't vote Lindbergh. Until next time. Bye for now. <laughs>